Welcome to Dear Talk Now. I'm Brad Rooks, and today we got a special guest, Melissa Bachman, who's literally been one of the first women that I can remember that was really popular in the hunting industry. Melissa, welcome to the show. So, well, thank you guys for having me. I sure do appreciate it. Now, we're, we're, we're kind of excited. So so I didn't know you were pregnant uh, like last fall. So what was it like? I mean, it had to be tough, right? I mean, it's hard enough on your own. Plus, you're going through the fall being pregnant. What was that like? Well, um, it was a little rougher than it was with Jax. I never got sick a day with Jax. There were many a deer in the field that uh, maybe didn't fare as well. <laughs> I got sick quite a bit. Uh, my cameraman on one of our first trips said, what is wrong with you? I kept making him pull over and have to jump out. So him and my husband knew, and they're really the only people who knew up until Christmas. Um, we just kind of kept it within us. And um, I hunted hard. I hunted all the time. Um, there were definitely some challenges that I didn't think about. I would hunt and I'd be so weak from being sick. Um, one time in Kansas, I couldn't draw my bow. Oh my god! I've never, ever had something like that happen. And my cameraman looks at him. He goes, well, now what are we going to do? <laughs> oh, my God. And I said, I said, well, I got some crackers. I'm going to eat them. I guarantee I'll be able to do it. And, you know, it ended up it worked out fine. But it's just little things that come up along the way that you're kind of fighting different challenges along. We had a, a phenomenal fall. Um, I did speaking engagements all winter. Um, I'm just a firm believer that having another child is great, but it does not need to hinder you in any way. I still crawled up every tree stand. We used lifelines. Um, I still hunted. I was coyote hunting the night before she was born and turkey hunting two days before. Oh um, so I'm just a firm believer that you just stay active, keep doing what you're doing, and it can be a huge blessing to your family and doesn't have to really set you back much. And, and honestly, you've been a great ambassador for women in the outdoors. Let, let's talk a minute about that process. Because back in the day when you first got in, especially when you had your own TV show that was popular, you're probably one of the first women. And it wasn't like a couple's thing, right? I mean, you're doing your own thing, which was totally different at that time, which is cool. I mean, I, I love it. The other thing that I don't think viewers could probably appreciate is the amount of hunts and effort that goes into doing, you know, a, a full TV show all by yourself, because I know what it's like. I mean, we're doing four TV shows and, and granted, we can't stay extra. Like if, if it's getting good and it doesn't matter, we got to go home because I got another job I got to do. So what's that like? I mean, t tell us a little bit about your history with a little bit about promoting women in the outdoors. You know, I've always been a huge proponent of promoting people and getting women out there, getting families out there, even before I had my own family. But what I believe is so so needed is someone who's authentic, right? Like everyone who does couples things, that's wonderful. People who hunt when it's just nice weather, that's great. What I don't like to see is someone kind of faking it, right? Um, just be who you are. And I think people can appreciate that. Like my mom, she's not going to go out when it's nasty weather. There's nothing wrong with that. And that's kind of what I want to show women is you can go out and you can have makeup on and be ready, or you can go out looking like a complete mess, right? It doesn't matter do your thing. And I'm never against what other people are doing. Now, with that said, when you're the only host, that's a lot of episodes to do. Not to mention, I produce the show as well. Um, so from the get go, I have had my plate extremely full, but I think what it does is it allows you to manage your time and it allows you to manage what you're doing a lot better. You're very effective with what you're doing. Now you said, you know, sometimes when it gets good, you can't not, you can't stay right. Cause you have another job. Well, for me, I book hunts all fall. 
I'm not going to call the next guy and say, Hey, this last hunt, it's incredible. I'm not going to show up because that's going to ruin your own reputation. And, and it's not fair to the people who were expecting you next, even it's a full paid hunt. It doesn't matter. I don't want to do that to people. So there's always different challenges from different angles, right? And hunting a lot of times is just a small part of it because you'll go places and it may not be the way I would want to do it, or it may not be the setup I would have, but there's a, a really happy balance there from being too pushy and saying, no, 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 I want this different or that different and just going with the flow and seeing how it goes. With that said, we've started to do more and more things where my husband and I, we've got everything set up. We've got ground that we've leased. So that way, when I get there, I've already put the blinds in. I have chairs there. I have a water hole there, a licking branch, a rub post. Everything I want is right there ready. And I think that's really helpful because not only do you take more pride in it, but then you know exactly that's the way you want to hunt and that's the way you're effective and it really increases your odds of success. Well, not only that, because you know what you need for footage too, right? Because I've hunted with outfitters too and some of them have great, fantastic spots, but that deer's on top of you like that, right? And you get, once you harvest it, yeah, I got 15 seconds of the deer coming in and me shooting and then it leaving, right? And that's all you have where... When you do the setups yourself, now you know I got all this B-roll. The deer's going to do this. He's probably going to do this. I'm going to get great footage of him coming in. When I shoot, he'll probably exit here, and you can really tell the story a lot better. So we like doing that same thing. So Yeah, it just makes it nicer. Plus, you've got bigger shooting lanes. I mean, things are not the same when you're filming. Um, I've been in many instances where if we want to just go kill a deer, you're going to get it done, right? But I want to make sure that Mm -hmm. this is my job. This is what I love to do. And not I could. There's no boss over me saying, Melissa, you cannot shoot that deer unless it's on camera. I'm that one. But again, my goal is to be able to promote it to others. And to be able to do that, the better the footage you have, the better the chances that people are going to watch the show, be interested, and hopefully, you know, take it home to their setups and do some of the same things. I agree. And the satisfaction, right? I mean, because it's one thing of har- harvesting an animal, but when you get it on video, it's just that much more special. So, I mean, there's a lot there. Let's talk about equipment for, for a little bit. So, when you started, was it hard to get camouflage clothing, bows that fit, you know, rifles that fit? Or had they had those manufacturers already started kind of like, you know, making specific things for women? Uh, Definitely not. Um, Especially I was a cameraman for four years. Um, I worked at a place and, you know, I literally would just put on, I looked like a complete mess in the field. I had clothes that were way too big, nothing matched ever. Um, I looked like someone they just pulled off the street and, you know, that's just what we had. I honestly didn't think anything about it. I wasn't on camera and I look back at some of those pictures and you think, (laughs) holy cow, (laughs) it's pretty rough looking. But what is so nice to see is to kind of be there through the progression of this and to be able to help numerous different companies really formulate their, their hunting line. Like now I work with DSG and, you know, to, to go back with feedback and say, you know, you guys really knocked it out of the park here. Here's something we could tweak a little better because I'm literally out there every single day from like August till after Christmas. Um, and I'm doing some really extreme hunts and I'm sitting out through the weather. Like if it starts getting nasty, we don't go home. We did go home once last year because part of our tree fell in the tree stand we were sitting in because the wind got so bad. And I said, you know, for our own safety, maybe we're going to go ahead and call this one. It's time. As a rule, yeah. 
we stay out there. So the gear needs to be able to keep up with you. And, you know, if, if people are comfortable, sometimes people think, well, you don't need all that. Of course you don't need it. Right. But if you're comfortable and you can sit on stand all day and you can sit still, your chances of, of success go through the roof. And people need to remember that, that it's not just a comfort thing. It's, it's, it makes you more successful, really. Absolutely. The more time you spend in the field. I can remember one of my hunts, and this just goes back a couple of years ago. Uh, the, the cameraman, our producer, didn't have the best camouflage, right? And, and it was... It wasn't bitter cold. I'm talking anywhere from 30 degrees to 33 degrees right now. But it rained every single day. Rain, freezing rain, sleet, you know, hail, whatever. And it was just that moisture. And after time, and we sat all day, every day, basically. And uh, he was just miserable. And I can remember him taking off one of his boots because he didn't have great footwear on. And he put his foot over the heater, and I could see steam coming off. And I was like, oh, my God, you poor guy. That's got to be just miserable, right? And he was. But I'm I'm wearing top-of-the-end clothing, you know, and I was comfortable. I didn't have a problem sitting on it. Granted, I wanted the weather to be a little bit better, but uh, the funny part of that story is we probably would have went home too. You know, had had uh, we were talking about we fried a five thousand dollar camera because it got moisture in it, just just from the the moisture in the air, and and we're sitting there, and I'm like, ah, oh, screw it, I mean, it's pouring out, and literally as soon as I said that, and we agreed we were going to go home, the sun came out, it's like. No, we're staying. We're killing the buck tonight. And sure enough, I mean, that's that's how it worked. So once in a while, you get rewarded. Um, why I asked you about that clothing, I had girls that hunted as well. So uh, back when they first started, I mean, they were wearing small men's or, you know, large boys, and it didn't fit them whatsoever. They kind of looked like goobers as well. So um, it goes about. How about the other, like, bows? They started doing women's bows probably right about when you started, correct? Yeah, in fact, uh, I was on one of the very first shoots for Matthews. The Matthews Jewel came out, and they had myself, um, Tiffany Lukoski, Candy Kiski, Samantha Morgan, and um, a few of us got together. And it's really awesome to see that you know they decided to find the things that didn't work great. Not that a woman can't shoot the men's bows, but let's make something very specific. And it's really been amazing. You know, I've shot all those different women's bows by Matthews over the years. And it's just awesome to see. And I also think there's a big component when when people are interested in getting into something new, knowing you have the right stuff, right? Like it's really important. You never want to feel like, gee, do I look like an idiot out here because I don't have, you know, all the right things. Being confident. I mean, a big part of bow hunting is confidence, right? It's knowing your gear. Yeah. It's it's being confident in what you have. And I think these companies and manufacturers, by making women stuff, they're helping empower women so that they feel like they fit in. They know they have the right things and they're not out there being self-conscious thinking, oh, am I going to look silly out here? Do I have the wrong thing? I know they got you covered. And I think there's a lot to be said for that as well. I, I would agree. Confidence is probably number one. You know, it, it, if you feel confident on any tree stand, right, where you think a deer is going to come, it just gives you that mo- you know momentum to stay there all day long or to continue to hunt or continue to be in that so confidence is a huge factor in hunting what kind of advice would you have for for a, a woman uh, what i'm looking for here is like because it's known right the the statistics show if as a youth hunter if you start them out young and you give them success they're more apt to come back so uh, say I'm a husband that's taking my wife out or, she, or a woman wants to go. What hunt would you recommend 
you know, where, where you think they're going to be successful, where it could be easy per se. And I know not all hunts are easier, not no matter what the species, but what would you recommend? You know, my number one thing is pick a time when you're going to have good weather, right? Make it an enjoyable experience and do not drag them along on a cold, blustery, freezing rain day and make them sit all day. Okay. Nobody's going to want to come back to that. True. Pick the nice weather, maybe do just a morning sit or an evening sit. Try to pick something, you know, I like hunting over a decoy um, because you get so much interaction. And I think what's cool about that is let's say you do an afternoon hunt. They don't have to get up early. You pick a nice day. And then all of a sudden, even if you have some smaller bucks coming into your decoy, watching that interaction, you know, if you're hunting during the rut, give them a set of rattling antlers, let them rattle a little bit, let them grunt. And then the next deer that come in, it's really a feeling of accomplishment to know they helped put that decoy out. They rattled those antlers and now a deer came in, even though maybe it's not a shooter, right? There's a small percentage of time when shooters really come in. So you got to really enjoy all those other moments. And, and I think anytime you can add that interaction in and make it enjoyable, that's the most fun hunt and keep it short. You know, um, the key to getting people to come back is not making it. So, you know, even with kids or whoever, if you go out there, they might do it for a little while to appease you, but eventually they're going to be like, this is not for me unless you make it fun. And I'm a firm believer in getting them started as early as possible. Our, our little boy, he is eaten up with hunting and we started him very, very early. Imagine that. I can't imagine him being eaten up with hunting. Yeah, my, my kids were too. It's kind of <laughs> funny. Um, so, so when you go back, cause it's the same thing with youth and, and let them decide, right? So if you do take a a woman out in the field with you and she looks cold, I mean, quit, right? I mean, you don't have to put somebody through that misery because if you're out there for a reason, you want her to enjoy it, you want your kids to enjoy it. I, I can remember one hunt where my wife bought Papa Murphy's pizzas, right? Before we were going down to kill turkey and I was taking my son, he's probably like, Jax is at three, you know, three, four years old. And, and we sat there maybe an hour and a half and he, all of a sudden he's like, what do you think mom and the girls are doing? I was like, I don't know, they're probably starting to make pizzas. <laughs> Yeah, what do you what do you think they think they'll leave us one? I was like, yeah, they'll, they'll probably leave one. You know, we'll eat it when we get home. And pretty soon you just tell. I mean, all he wanted was pizza. I was like, do you want to go home and eat some pizza? Yeah, boom, we left. You know what I mean? So it's just that situation, and you got to keep that mindful that when you are taking somebody else, you know, think of them first, not yourself. What? Yeah, and that even comes with the size of animals. Really, you know, I see people out on these youth hunts. And they're so convinced that their son or daughter needs to shoot a big Giant. buck, right? Yeah. That's what's going to make it fun. And, you know, each kid, I just let them decide. Like, Jax did a turkey hunt, and we had a bunch of Jakes come in. I said, Jax, you want to shoot a Jake? You can shoot a Jake. And he looked at me and said, I'm not shooting no Jake. <laughs> and that's great. That's no problem. But let them have that chance and let them decide. Because I think sometimes, you know, they end the hunt, and maybe they didn't get a deer, and they're like, well, I'd have been happy with this one or that oh, one. And, and the parents feel terrible because they didn't stop to think about that. Yeah. And, and you got to go back from when I started, especially. I don't know what it was like when you started, but man, if it was had a horn, we were shooting it, right? I mean, it didn't matter if it was a spike, a fork, you name it, we we're shooting it. My first buck I ever killed with a bow, I'll never forget it. I shot the big one. It was a an eight-pointer, right? A little basket, a little year and a half old. Every other buck that was with him was a year and a half old. They're the same deer, but one had eight points, you know. But I shot the big one per se. You know, it's, it's kind of funny how things have changed. But I agree with you. Let them shoot whatever makes them happy. And and that's just not for their first deer. Let them 
let them, you know, put some notches in their belt, right? Women or youth, let's, let's let them har- make some harvest and make their own decisions. So, yeah. I think it's important, and I think that's what builds a good hunter. Yeah, I agree. What organizations are out there that you know of, because I know you're part of some of them out there, that, that, that a new woman can get into the industry or that, that would be, you advise, you know, them looking into? Well, you know, I think it just really depends. You know, there's a lot of organizations that advocate for hunting and hunters and our rights and everything. But as far as getting out there, honestly, the best thing I think people can do is find a mentor. Find someone out there that can help guide them to answer questions. Because I think, you know, when you when you start a new journey, regardless of what it is, you want to have someone that you can ask questions and not feel like, People are going to think that I'm not very smart. So like the National Deer Lines, they have things that are set up for mentorship type programs. But if you don't have a program like that, go to your local bow shop or gun shop and ask around because there's a lot of people who have been hunters their whole life who would love, love, love to help get someone going, get them started, you know, point them in the right direction, be the one they call when they say, I shot a deer. This is what the blood looks like. Help me. Right. Because once you've done it for a long time, it's almost more exciting to help others get going in it than it is to to do it yourself. And it's amazing. I think if you can find that mentor or someone to ask questions to, you're going to feel, again, a lot more confident to go out there and a lot more confidence going to bring success. That, that's great advice, especially when you go to the local you know, archery shop or even shoots. I was just at the 3D range the other day, and uh, there was a, a, a guy that was retired, right? hadn't picked up a bow in years and he was struggling a little bit. And I was like, well, you know, uh, make sure you anchor correctly, you know, put that thing. Cause I said, what you're doing, you're, you're shooting right and left. It's not your pins. I was like, you're just not anchoring, you know, you're moving your anchor point. And just a little time that I spent with him, he tightened up his group. And I was like, well, normally come out here during noon, you know, feel free to shoot with us or whatever. I'll, I'll help anybody. I just like to shoot. So, you know, so many of the older generation are ready to pass on the knowledge that they know and they're more than willing to help out youth. Even here, uh, some of the mentor programs, uh, learn to hunt programs in the state of Wisconsin, um, you get to go out before the season even starts, right? So it's a little bit warmer. And then uh, here for the youth periods, they're, they're during a time of year when it's warm. Sometimes it's not the best movement. But it's easy to find some of those people that volunteer to take you out or take your sons out. So definitely look into that. I, I can see yeah, and all- even landowners, you never know the opportunities that may come up out of the deal. Yeah. I can see all your mounts or a bunch of your mounts in the background. So what out of all the hunts, and I know you've been on everything, what what what's been one of your favorite hunts? Well, I've had a lot of favorite ones. Um trying to think. Let's see. Uh probably the best was um I actually did an elk hunt with my husband um the year Jax was born. Um, so I had Jackson on August 20th and we started elk hunting September 1st. Oh my gosh. And I took 10 days off and my mom and dad came in and they watched him all day, every day. And then I was up with him every hour, all night, the whole month. And I have never in my life been as mentally and physically exhausted as I was on this elk hunt. And my husband was just determined we were going to kill the two biggest bulls that we had seen. And it took us 27 days and we killed both those bulls with our bow on the same day within like 400 yards of each other. No way. And I don't know if I've ever had such a sense of accomplishment to set a goal, to stick with it. Um, you know, things can get tough, but there's a whole different tired when 
and you have not slept that long. I mean, it was just crazy, but we kept after it and we got it done. And I would say that's probably one of the most memorable and probably one of the best hunts I've ever done for a feeling of accomplishment, because that's not something that's probably not something I'd recommend or maybe even ever do again, yeah. but I did it and we made it happen. And it was a pretty amazing experience. And the bulls were giants, weren't they? I mean, like for school. Yeah, they were huge. They yeah. were the two biggest bulls on the whole thing that we had seen that we had scouted. They were the two we were after. They scored just inches apart of each other. And, um, it was a it was a pretty neat deal to stick it out all the way to the bitter end and make it work. Then we had to pack them out, so that was awesome. And if you want your core strength back after having a baby, pack two. <laughs> I can't imagine doing two. Uh, the the first bull I shot ran straight down the mountain, and we had to carry it back up. And I thought I was going to die. I was like, oh my god, I wish I was in better shape. So they never run up, do they? <laughs> no, no, they always go down. And it doesn't sound like a whitetail. I'm pretty good at. We, you know, runs for what, three seconds and, and dies and it's 40 yards away. The elk did the same thing and somehow he, he went 150 yards straight down the mountain. So yeah, they go. They a lot have a lot bigger strides. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Deer Talk Now is brought to you by Apex Outdoor Rewards. The Apex Outdoor Rewards Whitetail Challenge is available in 38 states this year and gives hunters the chance to win big on their next hunt. For more information, go to apexoutdoorrewards.com. So out of all the hunts you did, what, what was the uh, most memorable one that you didn't shoot something? Because I think, you know, people that watch TV assume that we're successful all the time, right? Um, we just did a, t- a TV show that I was just watching it the other day, and it's it's called, you know, Decoy Me Not, because we're trying to decoy in bucks too, and every mature deer – did something I didn't expect it to do. I could have shot him at one point, but for whatever reason, I was trying to get a better shot or better shot angle. We let him go, and and we didn't get a shot. You know, so all week long, and there you go, three three deer, and boom. What what was your memorable one that you didn't harvest something on? Um, I did a hunt years back in South Dakota. It was late season. It was between Christmas and New Year's. Um, and I didn't want to ask any cameramen to come along because that's kind of the time with families and whatnot. So I went and did it as a self-filmed hunt and I would belly crawl out there through all the snow, be soaking wet with sweat and from the snow and sit in these little blinds all day. And I saw, I think I ended up deciding it was between like six and 800 deer. Oh my um, This guy had the food and nobody else had food around and these deer would just stream by um, some of the best footage I've ever filmed but I wasn't able to film it and get it on camera and get a shot. Um, the windows were not quite right, but it was the most enjoyable hunt I've ever done and not harvested a deer. And it's one of those things where I ran a show out of it. And some people said, well, you're at some sort of a farm. This is not normal. This was not a farm. <laughs> this was the middle of South Dakota. It just shows you when you're hunting late season, if you can find a spot where the food is, that's where the deer are. And the other thing it's where the water was. Um, and out here, that's really important and people forget about that because everything is froze up so this guy had you know open water food sources um they had big crop fields that he left for the deer and the pheasants and these deer were just going crazy going to it and you know i was not one bit upset that i didn't shoot a deer because it was one of the most enjoyable hunts i had done i mean seven days of having that many deer in front of you was unfortunate i didn't fill my tag sure but guess what? I filled my tag the year before, the year after. You know, sometimes you just 
That's the way it works. If you're looking for big mature deer, you're not going to fill your tag all the time. Yeah, well, especially if you're self-filming that, right? I mean, that that even yeah. adds compounds <laughs> <That's> issue. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, because we all self-film a little bit. I mean, my producers would tell you I'm the master of no harvest on self-film. So it, it, it seems <laughs> like somebody has to leave or whatever, and it just it just goes south. And not that we don't do it sometimes and are successful, but it's a lot tougher. You bring up a good point on late season hunting. Um, even for those individuals that I got out of this, um, look for the food sources, right? And a lot of times these people are farmers that are, are have a different interest for that standing corn. Like your guy was probably a pheasant, you know, because yes. pheasants are king there. So they hate the deer eating all their food. They want it for the, for the pheasants, right? So it's probably easier to gain some permission from some of those individuals as well. Um, I, I, I love, I love how energetic you are. Um, have you always had that passion for hunting? Like even as a child, how did you get into hunting? Yeah, I really did. You know, um, Minnesota didn't allow hunting until you were 12 years old, which I'm a firm believer of letting kids hunt earlier because I think you've missed a lot of kids by the time they're 12. I agree. And I love seeing that states are allowing kids to start hunting earlier and earlier with someone who's a licensed hunter, you know, to make sure that they're watching over them. But I was so excited to go hunting when I was 12, finally, that I was up all night drawing little maps around our house of where I thought we should hunt first and the, the, the places we should go. And I still remember looking back thinking my dad probably thought, what, what on earth have I done here? This girl is drawing maps out for me, telling me where we should hunt. Um, I just loved it. I shot a few fawns those first years. And guess what? I called them small does. My dad actually drove them to school so I could show, show my everybody. friends. Cool. And, you know, it's things like that that really make a difference. And even my senior year, I love bow hunting. And my mom and dad got me a work permit. So I didn't have to go to school the first two hours of school. I got to bow hunt in the mornings. And then if I had a deer, then I just had to have it hung in the garage and be back at school by noon that day. So it kind of shows, you know, my love for it before. You know, there was nobody with me. It's just what I wanted to do. I loved it. And I honestly had no intentions of making a career out of it, to be honest. Um, I was either going to be an anesthesiologist or on the NFL sidelines or something. And I did the TV production and I realized that there's hunting shows out there and I might be able to combine my, my two passion. passions into one. And um, that's what I ended up doing. But as a kid, we didn't watch a lot of TV. So I wasn't really even aware that there were that many hunting opportunities out there. Yeah. Throughout hunting. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you were lucky in that you had a dad, right, that that was into hunting and, you know, didn't look – because I, I look at my dad and, and I think, you know, he was great as a mentor for me. But at that time, you know, I have an older sister that she never hunted. And we had some of the best ground in Wisconsin in that area for whitetails. And I, I just think it was an afterthought, right, because no, not that many women hunted where me, as soon as my girls got old enough, 12 for my first one, yeah, I was taking them out, you know, what I, and and they did give it up for a little bit. And now, like, my oldest one is uh, 28, going to be 28 here. She, she's back in the sport of hunting. She comes home for gun season, absolutely loves it. She's a pharmacist, you know, and that's because we instilled those beliefs or values at an early age, right, from 12, 13, 14 and even though she left for a little while, she came back to the sport. And I think it's to spend time with me as well. But, um, man, when she's pulling the trigger, she absolutely loves it. So, you know, I think any parent that's out there that if you're passionate about hunting, get your kids involved, no matter if it's a son or daughter. And you make a good point about the earlier the better. 
um, today, let's face it, a 12-year-old or even a 10-year-old, you're fighting all sports, AAU sports, you're, you're fighting video games, you're fighting all these other things that are competing your, for your kid's attention. And if you can get them out there earlier, like uh, like your little guy Jax is a perfect example. I never see him not wanting to hunt. You know what I mean? Like I just don't see it. He's always going to want it because it's been instilled at his early age. And that's just a fact. You've been taking him along with you on hunts for a long time, correct? Absolutely. You know, at a year and a half, we took him on his first turkey hunt. And um, my husband, I don't know if he thought it was the smartest thing to do, but I said, oh, he'll be fine. It'll be fun. And we let him play around and he did end up blowing the turkey hunt. Um, We were out there, turkey was coming in and he starts howling like a coyote because we had been coyote hunting earlier. And that turkey would shock gobble every time Jax would howl that turkey shock gobble. And he thought it was hilarious. And we did not get a turkey that day, but you know, we kept after it. We kept bringing him. And that was at a year and a half, two and a half. He was way better. Three and a half. He shot his first turkey and he got a second one this year now. Oh my um, God. So I think what it shows you is if you just, you know, it, it's hard. I'm not going to lie. There are times when you're like, this was a really bad decision. We should have left him with grandma or something, but bring a bunch of snacks and be patient. You know, patience is the biggest thing because it's not just on the kid. It takes a lot out of you to take kids oh, hunting. Oh, yeah. But make that effort and, and make it happen. Yeah, it, you're going to be rewarded in the long run. I can remember one of the hunts I was on with uh, one of my uh, sons, and he lost his Game Boy, right? That, so so at that time, there it was big. And, and anyway, we were doing spot and stalks on turkeys, and we got back to the where where we originally came in on. He goes, Dad, I, I forgot my Game Boy. And I was like, all right, I'll put all, everything down. And we went and looked for it. It took us two and a half hours. We found it, but it took us two and a half hours. Would I have rather been home? Yeah, it was late season, and it was probably 90 degrees outside. You know what I mean? So it's not something I wanted to do. But it, it, it's stuff as a parent that you're going to just have to do if you want to push on or pass on the love of the sports of the outdoors. So Yeah, and give the kids, you know, a camera. Or like my son, Jax, he takes his pop gun when we go dove hunting, right? Um, I'm not going to let him out there shooting doves, swinging a shotgun, but he's got a little pop gun. And if he forgets that, it is the end of the world. So, you know, you do things to make them be involved. You know, turkey hunting, we let him call this year. He is an excellent caller. Nice. But we've let him call every year. And there may be turkeys that have ran off because of some <laughs> of the calls. But guess what? So what? There'll be more turkeys. Um, you'll never get those moments back. So really enjoy them and take the time to to make the most of them. The, the pop gun is a great example too of of because uh, you can teach them hunter safety, right? Because I got to take a BB gun when we go pheasant hunt with my dad, and we're doing all that stuff. And I know flat out first time if I ever had the gun barrel in kind of an unsafe direction, I was warned. Second time the gun was gone. I mean, I I still had to go with them, walk everywhere they did, but I no longer had the gun. I didn't get to you know act like I was shooting it. And you learned at an early age what gun safety was all about. And um, and you've probably been in camps as well, and, and I've seen it up where I already had to correct a guy that's even older than me because he's pointing the gun barrel at everybody. It's like, dude, you know, it's like gun safety 101. So, you know, teach your kids that at an early age. But. And those are the perfect ways to do that. We let Jax even take a 22 all the time. He's got a little wildcat, but I don't ever put ammo in it. Um, just so he's taking it along. Um, we did bring him on a pheasant hunt, and he's holding it, and the roosters jumped up. My husband and I both shot him. And he lost his mind. And I thought, what is going on? He said, my gun didn't go off. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, maybe we shouldn't do that. He was really, really mad about that. Oh. Um, 
but you know, it's, it's just like you said, it's about gun safety. It's about learning. It's about being involved and being a part of it. And they remember that. And he'll probably never forget the fact that his mom didn't put ammo in and he did not get to shoot one of those well, roosters. <laughs> I got one last question. And uh, before you had Jax, I know you took your dog and I can't think what his name is. A little pork chop. Pork chop. Yeah. So he got to go on all the hunts. Is he still going on all the hunts or has yep, he got to yep. stay back? In fact, well, I kicked her out of here so they didn't bark if the mailman came or something. But so we have two dogs, pork chop and ribeye both girls pork chops a boston terrier ribeye is a french bulldog and before i had jacks um i was on the road all the time by myself and it's lonely because you don't know anyone you're going camp to camp there's just no consistency so i got this little boston terrier and she was literally the best thing that could have ever happened to me i brought her on bear hunts up in alaska she had a life jacket on and she she would pose proud as can be at every animal. The first animals we went, I went to Texas, shot a hog and shot an axis deer. And I have these photos that are just priceless. And I enjoyed it so much. I'm not a dog trainer. I had no idea how to do this, but I just knew that she was treat motivated. And so everything was based on treats and she would just sit in my jacket. And still to this day, she comes with me in the blinds, sits all day, wherever I go, just happy as can be on my lap. And she's, I think she'll be eight this fall. Oh my God. Um, but she has just been such a blessing. And I think it's important too, before I had kids to show people it's about enjoying yourself out there. I had a couple of people write in who said, Melissa, I just don't feel you're taking hunting serious enough by having your dog with you. And I said, you're actually quite wrong. I'm enjoying it. This is fun for me. And I'm proving that I can still kill big bucks with a little puppy on my lap, right? <laughs> and I don't know how you can argue that, right? And I want people to kind of take a step back to be like, you know what? Hunting is about being fun. It's not about having the biggest trophy animal in the world all the time, but you can still combine the two Enjoy. and do very well. I don't know if she's ever blown a hunt for me. She's really? been she's been such a help for me to enjoy those days, to put in that time. And I just love it. And, you know, if it, if it is up to me, there's nowhere. I go to the grocery store, pork chop and ribs come along. <laughs> I go out back, plant trees, they're right there. So it's just nice to have that com companionship. And I think it's good for people to remember they're not hunting dogs, but pork chop's been on more big game hunts than probably any other dog out there. Plus it probably helps, you know, like, like you're spending a lot of time in some of these blinds, right? I mean, it probably helps pass the time. Oh, and if you're a dog, you're a dog person, like some of us are dog people and we're dog people at home. I got lots of them too. Um, yeah, I would love, ours are just too big. I, we got golden doodles and, and, uh, one's just a, you know, fireball, man, if I put her in a blind, we'd be, the blind would be running through the field with her four legs. So yeah, but it'd be a ton and of fun. There's, there's tricks you learn along the way. Like I take pork chop antelope hunting. Well, you know what those antelope blinds are like. They are hot. hot. You sit out there all day. It's miserable, right? So I lay down a thing and she's got her food, water, some toys. Then I bring a cooler with ice in it and I put her blanket in. So she gets to lay on a blanket of ice. Oh, nice. So that way she can stay cool. She can hop out, do whatever. And then in the winter, I actually found these electric heated blankets and I wrap her up in it. So she's warm. And so she's got a heat source on my lap and um, it, it's amazing. And it's so much fun to do those kind of things and 
absolutely passes the time. Plus, um, I've created some of the cutest pictures in the world <laughs> with her posing on all these different animals. So no, it's pretty no, awesome. That is a dedicated dog mom right there. I'm telling everybody <laughs> right now that is a dedicated dog mom. So, But I appreciate your time You know, for joining us on Deer Talk Now. I'm Brad Rooks. This is Melissa Bachman. Thank you for joining us. Look at next week's show and hopefully you enjoy it. Deer Talk Now is brought to you by 10 Point Crossbow Technologies. Whether I'm in a tree stand, ground blind, or spot and stalk hunting, I know the Nitro 505 is up to any challenge. Check one out at a dealer near you or log on to 10pointcrossbows.com for more information.